Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. Local mayors in Arizona have made recurring headlines since the coronavirus pandemic broke out. With their residents in need, the mayors are sticking their necks out trying to access more funding or implement policies that they think are necessary for public health. Some mayors also made headlines in the past week when Governor Doug Ducey implemented an 8 p.m. curfew in light of the George Floyd protests. The mayors of Phoenix and Tucson, Arizona's biggest cities, they didn't know about the curfew in advance. And that's initiated a larger conversation about the communication, or lack thereof, from the governor. But when we talk about how local government in Arizona is responding to COVID-19, the conversation tends to focus on the big city of Phoenix. News in other parts of the state oftentimes gets overshadowed, but it is just as important. So in today's episode, we're talking to the mayors to our north and south. We'll be joined by Mayor Coral Evans of Flagstaff and Mayor Regina Romero of Tucson. These interviews were recorded last week before Governor Doug Ducey announced a statewide curfew. You'll hear from both mayors about the lack of communication in recent months. It's worth noting, however, that Governor Ducey did reach out to Mayor Evans about the curfew prior to its implementation. With Mayor Evans and Romero, we'll break down the mayor's thoughts on the state response to COVID-19, what actions they're taking to preserve the health and prosperity of their towns, and how they plan to use federal relief funding from Congress. We're talking to Flagstaff Mayor Coral Evans first. Mayor Evans was the first mayor in Arizona to issue a wide-ranging proclamation shutting down her town's economy. On March 16th, she shut down bars, gyms, bowling alleys, and dine-in areas of restaurants. In short, places where people like to gather. A week later, she doubled down by ordering hair and nail salons closed. And her aggressive, proactive policies come in stark contrast to Governor Doug Ducey's slower, more ponderous response and his rollout plan. Mayor Evans has also been a vocal proponent for more funding to rural parts of Arizona. She told us that she really started to pay close attention when places like New York and Italy were hit hard by this new coronavirus. And she knew that her city of Flagstaff had to act when a river rafting business got hard hit. Uh, and so then on Saturday, I got a text from uh, someone who is a friend of mine who works in the river rafting industry, um, which is a huge industry up here in northern Arizona. And uh, their, their season starts usually in March, goes to the end of August, maybe into September. Um, and then their season closed down. And uh, the text said, just so you know, I left a meeting uh, with the river rafters, all the organizations. Uh, we are going to be laying off a thousand people next week. So I was like, what are you talking about? Why, why would you, what, what, what is this? He goes, because of COVID-19 and the fact that um, the majority of us have uh, experienced a 90%, a 90% cancellation on our reservations. He goes, our season is over before it even started. And at that case, there was no, at that time, there was no known cases of COVID-19 in my city. 
And I was like, well, I'm going to do the best I can to make sure we don't get any cases. And maybe if we can like tuck and roll, for lack of a better word, now and just buckle down and be real tight, maybe this will just go over us, you know? And, and at the very least, maybe it won't be as bad as it is in New York City or Italy or other places that are now popping up with this. Mayor, if I could get you to talk a bit about that, because you really hadn't been affected by this. As you noted, you know, you still hadn't really seen the worst of COVID land in, in Flagstaff. So um, how wrenching, you know, was it? Why did you feel that need to intervene so aggressively, uh, knowing that this is so harmful to the economy for a virus that really hadn't affected you yet? I was trying to save my economy. So the idea was, at least in my mind, okay, the season has just started for the river rafters. Our summer season has not yet started. If we can prevent COVID from destroying our city now, perhaps we can actually have a summer season. Perhaps there's some way to salvage some of this. You know, the idea is uh, Flagstaff is a huge tourist destination. We have over 6 million visitors from all over the world visiting um, our city every single year. We are at the crossroads of everything when it comes to Northern Arizona and the outdoors, the Grand Canyons, everything that everyone wants to do. It's beautiful up here. I'm like, if it hits the front page of some national magazine, newspaper, anything that um, my city is sick, it's going to be a lot harder to come back from that, right? You know, I mean, I'm just looking at what's happening to New York. I'm not sure how many people want to visit New York right now and how many people are going to want to visit it in the next six months. Look what happened to New Orleans when they had that parade. You know, it's like how many people really want to go back there anytime soon? You figure if the river rafters had a 90 percent cancellation rate, what does that do for the hotelers? You know, what does that do for people who are selling gas? What does that do for all my restaurants? You know, the majority of people in Flagstaff, we work for a small business. The businesses that we work for are less than 25 people. So what does that do for all the mom and pops if you already have one industry that's that impacted? So to be honest, I was trying to save my economy by being proactive. Do you think it's possible to salvage the summer season this year? And, and if not, was it worth it in retrospect to, to shut down temporarily the economy there in Flagstaff? I think that if we as a state had have been able to get on the same page at the same time on the same day in the same book, and if we had have been disciplined in our approach, we could probably have gotten through this a lot faster. I do not believe that we were disciplined in our approach. I think that we were kind of all over the page. I think we were all doing, you know, different things. And I think that that, quite frankly, um, is going to result um, in us having COVID-19 in our state a lot longer than we should. And quite frankly, we're downplaying some of the things. You know, here in Northern Arizona, I tell people, the Navajo Reservation is 15 miles from our city. They're one of our biggest trading partners in Arizona. You know, we are adjacent to how many different, um, you know, Native American indigenous partners, indigenous places. We should all care about what's going on on Navajo. So, Mayor, you've kind of really started to get into some of the, the heart of the issues here. You joined with Senator Cinema. 
and other local officials really publicly disagreeing with the governor early on in this, uh, especially we think of like the hair and nail salons uh, that he wanted to deem essential services. Um, you ordered the closure of those businesses and really you were bucking the governor at that time. Talk about why you felt the the need to do this so forcefully when you're seeing the you know the state's executive trying to go a different way i did forget to mention that there was a call in the timeline of events i did forget to mention there was a call with senator cinema i think it was that monday morning before i issued my um my order um and it was the first time ever and i've been in politics since 2008 it was the first time ever that a federal level um, a politician, a federal level executive um, elected official ever called a meeting and said, hey, there is a problem and you all as mayors, you guys are going to need to address it and not wait for it to be addressed. First time ever. Um, and so I think that that was something that was notable too. You know, um, it's interesting because uh, just the wording that was used, right? You know, the, the Flagstaff mayor is bucking the system. The Flagstaff mayor is going against the governor. The Flagstaff mayor is doing this, that, and the other. The fact of the matter is, is I was elected um, to protect and represent the people of my community, period. You know, um, and I take that, I take that, that job very, very seriously. And part of your oath is to, def um, do you're going to, def you're going to, um, you are going to defend your community. You're going to defend your country and your state um, for enemies, foreign and domestic. Foreign and domestic. I look at COVID-19 like it is a domestic enemy that needs to be eradicated, um, period, end of story. Um, it is negatively impacting people's lives. And so um, I can't speak on behalf of the governor. You know, but I was like, science says that this spreads, it spreads in a certain way, that we need to have social distancing, that we need to stop and take a step back. Everything I was doing was under the, the guise or under the understanding that I'm trying to protect my community, period, with all the tools that I have in which to protect it. And the sooner we protect it, the sooner we get a handle on this, get it stamped out, get it gone, then the sooner we can go back to being our usual happy selves. Okay, so I have to... I have to go back to, to kind of this question about what it was like to, you know, go up against the governor. He has expressed some frustration throughout this ordeal, uh, and some of it has been directed with mayors. He has repeatedly said that he wants the state to speak with one voice, and it's clear that he wants his to be that voice. Was it uncomfortable at all, or, you know, did it make you feel any sort of way to to go up against the governor's guidance when you charted your own path what what was that like well without a doubt it was stressful right you know this whole entire ordeal has been stressful um you know i i guess i just have to say that i don't have all the answers and i don't pretend to have all the answers you know, I make sure that I surround myself with people who are smart and who are intelligent and who can help me get the answers. The fact of the matter is, is that we have, what, 92, 93 um, cities and towns in the state of Arizona. All of us are elected at a local level in nonpartisan races to do the best that we can to serve the people at a local level. It seems to me 
that if we want to speak as one voice, then everybody would have the opportunity to be part of the conversation. And it makes no sense to me that the mayors um, that care so passionately about their communities never had a conversation with the governor the entire time this has been going on. We've never had one conversation with the governor. Now, there were daily calls um, for a while that were handled by um, Ben Blink, who is the governor's um, policy analyst for transportation or something like that. The governor never once got on a phone call. You know, the mayors, the questions that we asked um, to have answered included everything from the issue with unemployment, the, the issue with PPT, the major issues we're having with our small businesses and whether or not they had to pay their quarterly taxes. You know, we have major issues with homelessness and the, 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 um, the sheltering in place for people who are in these group home settings and how that was going to work. Um, we had numerous questions. Okay, I will tell you that 90% of those questions, I still haven't heard the answers to. So if you had the chance to have a conversation with the governor now, um, what would you say to him at this late moment uh, as far as what, what we've gone through and where we go from here? I think some of this could have been avoided. I really think some of this could have been avoided from the start if we had uh, had the opportunity to have the conversations that we needed to have, if we had been prepared as a state. You know, now this late in the game, I still think there's stuff that we could be doing um, that'd be great to have a conversation on. First and foremost, um, you it's hard to tell people to shelter in place and shelter at home when they have no access to any money. Do you realize that our unemployment system is still messed up? There's still people that haven't had access to monies that they need. You know, as, as a city, we still haven't gotten access to any of the CARES money. Why would you sit on that when you know that there are great needs? Why are, you, why, why are you sitting on that? Okay. Our small businesses, my small businesses, again, I had a, a little team of small businesses that are like, we need this, we need this, we need this, right? They still need all those things. You know, the way we opened our, opened our economy up with no parameters, we just kind of opened it with a suggestion I can tell you right now, when you look at what's going on um, in some places here in Flagstaff downtown, Scottsdale, Mayor Lane, for Mayor Lane to say what he did so publicly. In terms of Mayor Lane, you're talking about uh, his Twitter thread calling for Old Town to be more responsible. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, we need parameters. And we, I mean, we need parameters in how you open. So we can open up in a way that doesn't um, create um, more more cases in our in our state. And what is the likelihood that we're going to close again? We couldn't even get the first closure right. Right, we're still trying to figure out how to get the first closure right, and we're going to have to close again. I think that we could have been so helpful, and we could still be helpful if you know the governor would utilize the mayors in a way that I think mayors should be utilized. And we weren't. We were untapped resources just sitting there. So one of the things that seems to have emerged in over the last few weeks for sure um, has been what feels like a return to partisan politics on this, the politics of COVID and dealing with all of this, um, especially uh, mixing economics and health care uh, problems. Um, give us a sense on how you navigate that. Am I allowed to cuss? 
You certainly are. And the reason why I say that is because I want to be clear, and I addressed this partisan I think two weeks ago at the dais, right? First and foremost, I am a mayor of a city in, in, in city in Arizona. I am a mayor. I was not elected in a partisan election. Here in the city of Flagstaff, you know, we run, um, we don't have districts. We run citywide and guess what? We run as nonpartisan um, individuals, period, in the story. You know, when someone calls and asks me, I say, hey, I got a problem with a pothole. You know what I'm not doing? I'm not asking them if the pothole is Democratic, Republican, Green, Independent, because I don't really care. I need to know where the hell the pothole is to figure out if it's a state issue, if it's their road, or if it's my road, period. So the other day, we were talking about this partisan bullshit that's going on when it comes to COVID. I went and pulled up the county's dashboard. You know what I did? I looked at it. Guess what? It told me how many people were sick in this area of Flagstaff, this zip code, told me how many people were sick in this zip code, how many people were sick on Navajo. You know what it didn't tell me? It didn't tell me how many of those people were Democrat and how many of those people were Republican. And guess what? I even pulled up the death rate, right? So I know exactly how many people are dead in Coconino County because of COVID. You know what I don't know? Is how many of those people were Republican and how many of those people were Democrat. I guess it doesn't really matter, they're dead. So I really look at this whole partisan thing and I'm just like blown away by it. I'm like, now's not the time for that. You know, this is, this, 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 this is ignorant. The fact that we're even having a conversation about partisanship here shows that we, we truly have lost our way and we truly have lost what it means to really be Americans and quite frankly, Arizonans. I'm a third generation daughter of Arizona. I don't give a damn what people are. All I know is that there's people dying in my city and I'm trying to figure out how to save them, period. I mean, this is ignorant. The whole conversation about partisanship right now is just stupid. We ain't got time for that. This is serious. Like I really feel like telling people, this is serious. This is not politics, guys. This is serious. Speaking of serious, you and, and life and death potentially for a lot of people, Flagstaff did not get direct funding in um, CARES Act money. This is the part of the $2 trillion package that Congress passed. And because you are a city that is uh, smaller than 500,000 people, that you have to wait for that money to be funneled through the state. And essentially, Governor Doug Ducey is, is in charge of this money. Do you have any sense as to what the timeline looks like for you to get that money? How much money are you expecting and what will you use it for? And even when you get it, will it be enough? Oh, we need the funding to do what we need to do as a city. Um, the fact that you have, and I have the number here because I was blown away. We talked about this yesterday. In the state of Arizona, we still have $1.9 billion of the CARES Act money that is meant for cities and towns that has not been dispersed. What is that about? You know, well, what is what is that about? Um, we have police officers that need to get paid. We have firefighters that need to get paid. I got potholes I still need to fill. We need to have these monies and these monies are supposed to be revenue replacement for the revenue that we haven't gotten. You know, we're talking about our small businesses and trying to set up a some type of fund, some kind of grant program to help the super small businesses um, that we're not able to access the, um, the PPP, the PPP thing from the feds. Most of the small businesses didn't have a CPA or the right bank or whoever to help them get access to that money. So the fact that we have $1.9 billion 
sitting somewhere that the smaller cities and towns need is absolutely incredible to me that we even have to ask for it. That it, that is just sitting there, you know. And then I have questions about where the rest. Well, I guess the rest of it went to the larger cities, but there's also the hundred million dollars that was allocated somehow by the um, the state through their quick little budget cycle, right? Where'd that money go? Um, I just think that's incredible that we're sitting here having to ask for money. Again, we're all Arizonans. Even if we don't live in big cities, guess what? We're still Arizonans. We still pay taxes like everybody else. We shouldn't have to beg for our money that we need right now. I actually think in a way that's disrespectful and it's demeaning. Is there anything that you and your team are advocating for that you think would be especially impactful in Flagstaff or especially wise for Arizona or, or other cities uh, like your own? Yeah, I think that there's a there's a big difference between rural Arizona and metropolitan Arizona, right? And I think that um, that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, the governor really should tap into the mayors that are in these different areas. Um, and quite frankly, I personally think he should have maybe formed teams of mayors, right? So you have the metropolitan area, you have like down south and that area up north, you have different costs of livings, things like that. You know, one of the things that would be really helpful up here in Northern Arizona is broadband. So broadband is something that I know we take the internet for granted, right? We all assume because we have a phone, we have internet. That is absolutely not the case in Northern Arizona. So some type of broadband initiative right now that would allow people to work from home, that would allow people to have um, access to telemedicine would be something that would be instrumental, that'd be extremely important. On top of broadband, Mayor Evans said she's interested in having a conversation about maybe opening up another hospital in Northern Arizona. On top of providing more health care, she said it would bring additional jobs. There's also the big issue of small businesses, and these are generally the types of businesses that employ fewer than 25 people. Those types of businesses, she said, make up the heart and soul of many rural communities like hers. And she said there should be a concerted effort on rebuilding them. As you heard, Mayor Evans was pretty candid in that interview, which we shortened for the sake of this episode. She really didn't hold back her thoughts or concerns. And in that way, she's been a leader for other mayors to speak out and take action, too. One such example is Mayor Regina Romero. Romero leads the city of Tucson. She issued a similar proclamation to Mayor Evans's on March 17th, closing down public gathering spaces. Like Flagstaff, Tucson had not yet seen a huge impact from COVID-19 cases yet. Like Evans, Mayor Romero is a vocal supporter of getting federal relief funding sent directly to local governments instead of having it funneled through the state first. She became mayor of Tucson in November 2019. We started off by asking her why she acted so swiftly. I took that very seriously. But um, really, it had to do with putting my brain and my knowledge of, of what science was telling us, and then my gut feeling. <laughs> my gut feeling that if I let St. Patrick's Day gatherings happen throughout the city, that that could really precipitate the spread of COVID-19 in our community. And so um, 
It really is listening to science and what science was telling us that the only tool in our toolbox as of now uh, was to encouraging the, the social distancing and then the limitation of gatherings um, in our community. And so I had to act quickly. I was not going to wait to see our healthcare system devastated. And so those, those were, those, those were the things that I was thinking. And I, and I still think that even though, uh, the executive orders by Governor Ducey have been lifted, that we still have to tread, thread lightly and be as careful as we possibly can. Because not until we find a vaccine, uh, do we have any other tools in our toolbox to protect public health? We haven't heard you talk a lot about how Governor Ducey uh, was um, impacting your thinking on this. How do you assess his performance in all of this? Um, and do you think that he has uh, led this state appropriately, or do you think that the mayor has sort of filled the breach? Since I first got elected, I, I reached out to Governor Ducey, and, and I it is my hope that we can work together, even though we have different parties. I could easily say that Governor Ducey uh, was taking the appropriate steps, um, even though I I, uh, I um, jumped out before he did in terms of, of my emergency proclamation in making the call to, uh, to close down. Um, I see the value of having a statewide executive order on public health issues and, and these types of emergencies. And so uh, his office was reaching out to mayors throughout Arizona. We were having daily uh, conference calls. He was updating us. Um, it, it really was working very, very well for, for a bit. One, Claire, I just want a quick clarification. Uh, Mayor Coral says that she has not had direct communication with the governor, but it sounds like you have. No, I have not. We we do. My chief of staff uh, has uh, conversations with uh, our uh, the governor of Southern Arizona um, office director. We haven't we haven't talked though. We we have not. Okay. We have not yeah. talked recently. Um, of course, um, mayors throughout Arizona and I got together in terms of the uh, essential uh, services lists and, and really pleaded with the governor to uh, dwindle that down to real uh, essential services. And so he really listened. He re listened to his, uh, his health, public health experts and his, the scientists that were helping him lead. Um, and so I, you know, I, I absolutely understand he needs to make the calls that he feels are important. And I believe that um, he was moving in the right direction. Uh, where I think we split roads uh, was in his call to start opening up uh, the economy a bit too early because we were not meeting the uh, CDC guidelines uh, set forth uh, to to start reopening, right? The continuous number of cases uh, going down 14 days, the deaths going down 14 days. And so that's where I thought, wait a minute, we need to take it slower. 
unfortunately, the governor's office um, stopped having their conference calls with mayors. And, you know, mayors are in the front lines of government. We really listen and hear from residents firsthand. And so um, we have a different opinion in terms of how to reopen our economy. Uh, but he is the governor. And uh, I, I do understand that he put in his executive order that cities, towns, and, and counties must follow and cannot deviate from, from his executive order. And so I respect that. I do not think that this point in time during a pandemic, I would want to um, get into a legal fight because this is not the time. Right now, we have to work together and we have to do everything we possibly can uh, to protect the residents of not just Tucson, but Arizona. And so, um, you know, I did not, um, I did not extend my emergency proclamation with something different than what he called for. Um, based on what people do and how people react, the models that the Pima County Health Department has seen is that the that the cases will start to diminish at the end of May. So I decided to uh, reopen city bu uh, buildings in phase one until June 8th, which is based on the science and the modeling we've seen, that is when our cases will, uh, will have diminished and the worst part will be over. That depends, that model depends a lot on how residents continue physical distancing and following CDC guidelines, because if they are not, then we could easily see a spike in cases once again. Mayor, um, give us a sense of how much money uh, the city of Tucson has received via the, uh, the CARES Act and what you all are able to do with that. How is that helping manage this crisis? The city of Tucson received $95 million from the CARES Act. And what the direction that I and my colleagues on the council have given our city manager is that we want to see a third of those funds invested in the community and the community needs. And, um, the other third, we want to invest in continuity of services uh, in terms of how we prepare and how we have been preparing and expending for uh, this new reality of te telecommuting and, and PPE and all of the needs in terms of providing uh, continuity of services. And then the other third we want to put uh, in reserves for whatever we see uh, happening in uh, either spikes in cases or any emergencies or urgencies. And so $24 million of the CARES Act funds is going to our We Are One Somos Uno Resiliency Fund under the umbrella of the Community, um, uh, Community Foundation for Southern Arizona. Um, that uh, that work, we're putting 
three million dollars for workers and their families that have been affected by COVID-19. We're putting uh, $3 million to small business grants and 0% interest loans. Uh, we are also putting half a million dollars for grants for nonprofit organizations, putting together aside some money for uh, expansion of our Kidco after school and summer programming so that we know childcare is, is um, also an important piece of the puzzle. Uh, we're also putting uh, $5 million for utility and rent assistance. And so I'm not recalling all of the list of how we're investing the funds in our community, uh, but we are, we are really cognizant about the need out there with the number of un unemployment cases in the state of Arizona and uh, the workers affected by COVID-19. We want to make sure that we put this money back into the community, back in the hands of workers and their families and that will have the effect of putting funds back into the economy as well so we could start the recovery. What are your needs for your city uh, moving forward? I'm presuming the CARES Act money isn't going to be enough. Uh, personally, I, I am very supportive of the HEROES Act passed in the House of Representatives. I understand the importance of bringing funds into cities, counties, and towns. We will be devastated by the economy. And, and, and the city of Tucson, like other cities in Arizona, we live off of sales taxes with such high percentage of people unemployed. Um, we will see an effect in our budget. We are we are uh, looking at a possible $70 million hole in our budget because of sales taxes um, and other ways that we collect revenue to pay for our essential services, right? You know, the cities provide police and fire. Cities provide trash collection. Cities provide, at least the city of Tucson, we have a water company. And so um, we... You know, we need those replacement revenues in order to provide the essential services that we are now calling essential, that we are now using uh, to the fullest extent. And so um, I, I, I believe in revenue replacement. I've talked to our congressional delegation, to both Senators McSally and Cinema, and um, really advocating for that flexibility in the CARES Act and that they look at replacement revenue for cities and towns throughout America. And so um, other services as well are important. Uh, we really left out many uh, mixed status family and um, undocumented communities that really add to, uh, to our economy. Uh, we left out DACA recipients and in their educational um, um, ability to be able to uh, continue their education and adding to the economy. And so there are there are huge pieces of uh, of investment in the Heroes Act that I really agree on. Okay, uh, Mayor, we'll let you go. Thanks so much. Uh, we do appreciate your time on this and hope to have you back. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you all. All right, listeners, we're going to transition to some afterthoughts. This pandemic has really revitalized the status and significance of mayors across the country. 
more than any time in the recent past that I can think of. Residents are really kind of looking to their mayors for guidance. And even as you heard, national politicians are in at least some cases instructing the mayors to take charge. Yvonne, what do you make of the mayor's rising clout? Is it important and how much does it matter? I definitely think that uh, it matters. I mean, people like you and me and our neighbors, I mean, when we're looking for guidance on how we should behave and how we should keep ourselves and our families safe, I mean, we're looking to local leaders. You know, what I think has been so interesting to watch uh, over the past couple of months is how uh, these mayors feel empowered to have their voices heard and they are being encouraged to talk about their disagreements with, um, you know, the way state officials and Governor Doug Ducey have have handled this pandemic. And I, I think for a lot a, a lot of us, we're very used to the go along, get along style of politics and governing that we see in moments of crisis and everyday sort of routine times. And uh, to have people like Mayor Evans and Mayor um, Romero down in Tucson break uh, and do so so publicly, I think is just really fascinating to watch. And, you know, people are paying attention to them. Yeah, it really is interesting how uh, these mayors all across the country really have kind of not shrunk from this challenge. They've kind of embraced it. Um, Yvonne, what can we expect from the Congress and and in the, any future funding requests? How is this going to play out with local uh, officials across the country? So we heard both of the mayors talk a lot about the need for direct funding. And um, so just quick primer on this. The CARES Act, which was the $2 trillion relief package passed uh, earlier uh, in the pandemic, it provided for direct funding only for cities that had populations greater than 500,000. For the rest of these cities, they had to wait for uh, the states and Governor Doug Ducey to come up with a plan on how they were going to distribute the money. And a lot of these cities uh, feel as though they're getting the short shrift um, with these funds. There was One um, event that they had with uh, Senate Democratic candidate Mark Kelly, where one of the mayors said that he felt as though, you know, the lives of rural Arizonans were actually worth less than the lives of those who live in urban areas because people in rural parts of the state are getting a lot less funding per capita than um, than some of the big cities did. So that sentiment, I think, is really going to permeate this next round of conversations over how the next package and the next round of dollars should help or could help these local governments, which are struggling from so much revenue loss. So I think we could see a couple of things happen with these mayors. I think we could see them really start to flex their muscle and raise their voice in opposition to the way that Governor Doug Ducey is handling the CARES Act funding that is under his purview. At the same time, I think you'll see a lot of these Arizona mayors really use their platforms to advocate for direct funding of as much as, you know, $500 billion over a couple of years uh, to try to get some relief. Okay, well, listeners, that's all we have for today. Special thanks to the mayors for joining us on the program. 
please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. And if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. A programming note, we'll be doing a follow-up episode on Governor Doug Ducey and how his response to COVID-19 might affect his legacy. Today's episode was edited and produced by Taylor Seeley with oversight from Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much, as always, to Listening to the Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.